This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. Good morning, podcast listeners. Joining us today via telephone are two of South Africa's top energy activists. Good day, everyone. My name is Ulrich Stienkamp. I am a campaigner at Earthlife Africa Johannesburg. I form part of the anti-nuclear team. Um, yes, and I am also one of the conveners of the Climate Justice Action Group, which is an advocacy group against um, climate and social injustices in the different communities that Earthlife Africa is working on. Yesterday, Daily Dispatch discovered that Shell is doing a massive exploration for oil and gas off the Transkei coast. They're going to have a ship patrolling up and down and basically doing air pumps into the ocean. Is this something that concerns the environmental bodies? Yes, it does concern the the different environmental bodies as a whole because um, for the most part when they're doing their prospecting, they're majority of the stuff does not have any proper licensing or any environmental impact assessments that are being done. And the seismic um, surveys that they do is very disruptive to marine life, especially your marine mammals such as your whales and your dolphins. Um, And the the seismic surveys that they do is actually quite deafening. Um, So it will it will lead to lots of disruptions within the blue economy as well as with tourism and stuff because um, we might have lots of whale beachings and then um, fish migrating and stuff, so it will be impacting our our ocean life and it will also, be, it will also lead to possibilities of um, oil and gas spillage within our oceans. Are bodies like yourselves concerned that with Kuberg's recent hassles that they've had, that we might yes. one day face a Chernobyl disaster? Um, yes, that is, that is quite a, a huge possibility because, um, uh, as has been recently reported, there's also been a mass exodus of unskilled um, workers within the Kuberg power station, as well as the fact that there has been... Uh, recurring problems and ongoing problems such as one of the reactors being offline for most of the year as well as the previous um, issues regarding the loose bulk that was in Cuba that was then claimed to be um, sabotaged and then that statement was retracted by the then uh, minister. So there is a slight possibility that um, any, anything can, can go wrong and then we don't do not have the technical capacity to um, to prevent um, nuclear meltdowns. Ulrich, there's concern in the Eastern Cape, not so much from the East, East London side, but certainly from the PE side, that the proposed plant in Taisberg, which is between Jeffreys Bay and uh, St. Francis Bay, while yeah. it seems to have gone quiet as far as any press releases from Kuburg go, is that the fact? Is it something that we should be worried about? Are they going to plough ahead with this without keeping the public informed? Yes, that is, that is, that is partly um, the main issue regarding um, the nuclear energy sector within South Africa. 
mainly because um, nuclear energy is seen as a national key point um, technology, so therefore they they are legally allowed to keep many of the stuff um, uh, in secret because um, it is something that is of national concern and it can also uh, have many security issues because um, nuclear energy can also be be targeted by by terrorists or other forms of extremist uh, people that want that wants to harm South Africa. So they try and hide behind that. And um, with regard to the Tasman site, um, they are so they are well. The national nuclear regulator is still in the process of going through the the site licensing. Um, but that's not all that you saw an, an ongoing process. But um, the main issue is that there's lack of information and then there's also poor public access to these um, public participation meetings. So what, what then ends up happening is in the few little chances that the public have any um, platform to, to provide any input, they are either systematically or actually as what we've seen with the recent NNR hearings, uh, sometimes even physically not allowed to, to attend these meetings. So in fact, do you find that both um, Eskom and the and NERSA and in fact the Department of Minerals and Energies are going out of their way to block you rather than try to work with you? Yes. Uh, uh it, so they might not see it as such, but the mere fact that they are hiding behind the fact that um, they are technically allowed to hide some of these issues, um, it, um, it seems as if they are trying to block um, any public or civil society organizations just to um, have their say or have their valid input. A prime example would be with the acquisition of the steam generators that they um, that they got last year that nobody really truly knew about. We only found out about it when they arrived uh, at the harbor, and then only and only then that's when we heard that no, um, the French uh, nuclear company Arriva was awarded a tender to to create these um, well to forge these steam generators, and then then there was also lots of corruption issues in, in, and also lots of scandals that actually came to light with these generators being built in France. Uh, Bioliva then got transported with the Russian air, um, uh, what you call with the Russian army's uh, airplanes to China. And when they arrived there, these um, steam generators that we've already paid for and the South African public wasn't aware of, they, these steam generators then failed their safety inspection there in China, so they had to be rebuilt in China, and then they were flown back to France, and then um, then it was transported by a ship to South Africa. So it was basically a, a, a huge waste of money and time. But the but the main fact is that they were they were bought for the lifespan extension of Kuberg, which is not yet approved, but they've already kind of like put the the cart before the horse and went and bought it without having the license uh, of Kuberg um, extended, or while well, its lifespan extended. So it was supposed to be decommissioned in 2024, but now um, they are now opting to have it uh, decommissioned um, uh, 2021 years later to 2024, 2044 or 2045. 
Is your impression that Kuberg simply rides roughshod over the South African public with its lack of attention to licensing, or is it simply inefficiencies within the organisation? I would say it's a, it's a combination of both because um, it's not just within the organisation, but it's also within the Department of uh, Energy, or which is now the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy, in which they just go uh, ahead without um, sometimes even having members of parliament being aware of what they are planning. So not only is the South African public or civil society organizations unaware, but um, sometimes even members, uh, members of parliament are unaware of these things. So they are trying to sideline as much as, as much people and such as they can so that they can just get, uh, get whatever they want done. Uh, without um, without um, having any obstacles because those that would oppose it are, are not aware or ill-informed regarding these things. You've issued a statement, or your body, various bodies have issued statements, claiming that the Kuberg's management structure, and you did mention that people have left, is in tatters at the moment. How can the country trust to do a decent job if it hasn't got decent management? That is, uh, I think, the one trillion rand question. Um, I don't think they, they will be able to, um, and most of the skilled workers, they either, they either um, what you call, they either immigrate to other countries that have uh, a, a more efficient um, nuclear energy sector, or they're just leaving, the, leaving Kuberg out for... Um, for whatever reasons that they do have. So in case anything does go wrong or there's some sort of thing, there's no, there's no people to be held accountable and then the, the management in it of itself um, because they are basically affiliates or workers for ESCOM, so the blame, they'll, they'll, they'll be playing the blame shift game. So it, we can't really trust what, we, but what is happening there. I mean... Um, uh, there's been reports about the cracks uh, that that is in the Kuberg um, power station, and also reports of radioactive leakage that is that is in the area. And these things haven't been answered or addressed uh, formally within the public. So there's no way that we can truly trust um, what they're saying because um, it's it's basically just either kept secret or stripped under the rug. The Bill for the upgrade is said to be twenty billion, but just about every Eskom project has gone far over budget. Are you expecting this to happen if Kuberk does get the go ahead to refurbish for twenty years? Yes, I would. I would say a hundred percent. So because not only does Eskom um, have cost overruns and like time extensions for construction that is now kind of part and parcel with ESCOM's um, energy sector development strategies. It is also within the nuclear energy sector globally that majority of the reactors and stuff that are being built globally, they are running way over, over schedule. So um, the cost implications of that just uh, get amplified more and more. So that 20-year um, window, I don't think it's it's going to be efficient. I mean, you can you can have um, 
the power stations of Medupi and Kusile as, as an example um, about how far the how far over over overdue these things will be running. Um, so if it's already kind of international standard for nuclear builds to 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 go way past their schedule, um, how much more would it be when ESCOM or whichever company gets a contract to to build these things? How much more will it be? Um, going over schedule, and then the final question would be how much would it cost us as um, taxpayers within this country for? Well, let's hope there'll be no more surprises before we talk again. Thank you very much for your input. Would you like to just introduce yourself and a little bit about what the company does, please, or the NGO does? Oh, yes. My name is Francesca DiGasparis. I'm the Executive Director of FASTI. We are the Southern African Space Communities Environment Institute, and we work on issues of environmental justice, climate justice. We have a particular focus on energy, and uh, we work in particular with space communities, but we also do quite a lot of work, just sort of general awareness, uh, monitoring um, government uh, decision-making and educating, really. Francesca, the Western Cape in 1969 had a massive earthquake that just about wiped out the town of Tulbach. The magnitude was 6.3. If something like that hit on the coast, especially near Kuburg, could the results be devastating? Absolutely, and we know that there is seismic activity around Kuburg. In fact, um, Tassi Payad uh, for that information. And we have a seismic active, a seismic report that we received. It is heavily redacted, but it's got some interesting information about the fact that actually Kubo does sit on a fault. And as we know from other cities that have um, fallen to unexpected earthquakes like Christchurch, which was completely wiped out, an earthquake could have absolutely, and also Fukushima, of course, could have absolutely massive impacts. If, we, if it affected uh, Kuburg's nuclear power station. Ulrich and I have had discussed the fact that should something like that happen and a northwest wind suddenly blows, we could have nuclear fallout right around the Cape Peninsula, and that could be disastrous. Disastrous, and it could mean that we'd have to leave and never come back in our living, uh, in our lifetime. So there's some, there's some serious issues that we have to look at. Um, and in terms of density around Kuburg, when it was built in the 1970s, um, and you know it was started over 40 years ago, the density, the population density of the peninsula is much, much less. So the risks now associated with having or extending the life of a power plant so close to a major urban city are quite extreme. And in terms of international regulations, they would not be, um, it would not be advised to have a power station so close to a major metropolis. So with all the threats around Kuburg and the fact that it only contributes, so your organisation says, around 5% of energy, would it not be better for us to be focusing on renewables? Absolutely. And I mean, as much as we hear that uh, Kuburg is this reliable, steady base load of 5%, we also know that Unit 1, and that's half the, the um, power coming out of Kubrick has been down more this year than up. So it's not even 5% for this year. So the idea 
And in any event, when you speak to um, energy experts, the idea that you require base load in modern um, energy planning is actually um, a straw man. It's, a, it's actually about whether you have sufficient power to cover all 24 hours. So you don't have to have a constant power source like nuclear. What you need to do is diversify your energy so that you have sufficient at night if you're using a lot of solar. So it's really about thinking about how you do your energy planning rather than assuming that um, you have to have something like nuclear that you can never turn off to give, provide base load. The recent elections have shown us that South Africans are the most tolerant race. We, we have again voted the ANC into power despite the regular protests and that. So protesting might not work, especially with what your organization is doing. Internationally, agencies like yours drag the culprits into court, but it costs money. Does your group and groups like yours have the budget to go to court? Well, you know, it's an interesting phenomenon about democracy. Unfortunately, South Africa isn't the only one who's um, fallen down when people are given free voting. We've seen it in the U U.S., we've seen it in the U.K., where um, you know leaders who really need to be held to account aren't being done so. So, um, in terms of our democracy and in terms of how we see um, uh, monitoring and following um, government, it's you know litigation is one thing. Um, we have done it in the past with Earth Life Africa, Johannesburg, Uruk, who you're speaking to earlier as a representative from there. In 2017, the last nuclear deal was declared illegal and unconstitutional. So we could do that. And obviously, when you when government makes very, very bad decisions on behalf of its citizens without following due process, that is the opportunity when litigation comes. For two small NGOs, it's a tall order, but we would not hesitate to step into the breach if it came to that. So. Um, it's not so much about the money and more about whether we are resolute in our views, which we are. The Francesca, the National Energy Regulator of South Africa, NURSA, has issued a statement that says, there is no harm suffered by NURSA should NURSA issue a license and the Environmental Impact Assessment Appeal fails later, as there is a provision in the legislation to revoke such licences Surely that is putting the cart before the horse. Absolutely. And you'll see recently with the NNR um, bill, the amendments that are being made are just weakening legislation. The re there's very good reasons why there's energy procurement procedures. Part of it is about being transparent. Part of it is about following due process. And absolutely, I agree with you. I think you have to do an environmental impact assessment before you start issuing licenses. That is... Um, utterly absurd and whoever is considering that obviously doesn't really think about the purpose of an environmental impact assessment. Maybe they just see it as a box ticking exercise so therefore it's a box that they can tick lower down on the form but in point of fact it actually tells us whether it's a viable um, site or not so it's absolutely critical in my view that that happens first. So there we have it listeners. Two experts who predict that Eskim is going to try and pull the wool over South Africans' eyes, which will definitely send business costs soaring. Thank you for listening.